Chapter Sixteen of Almond Blossom. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Almond Blossom by Olive Wadsley. Chapter Sixteen. Love till dawn, sunder night from day with fire, dividing my delight and my desire, the crescent life and love the plenilune. Love me though dusk begin and dark retire. Ah God, ah God, that day should be so soon. Nay i will sleep then only nay but go ah sweet too sweet to me my sweet i know love sleep and death go to the same sweet tune hold my hair fast and kiss me through it so ah god ah god that day should be so soon swinburne i will not remember i will not doro told herself vehemently oh why did he come back she dreaded a resurgence of the old unhappiness as one dreads the recurrence of a devastating pain and yet there was upon her that ghastly sureness which freezes hope that she was not safe that she was to be claimed again that the pain already had thrust out a tiny spear which was beginning to rankle she went everywhere with redoubled vivacity she never rested she was afraid to rest rex had left with scarcely a word and she had scarcely missed him all her consciousness was absorbed in escaping from her own memories in defying their power the glimpse of a branch of belated almond blossoms its tiny exquisitely vivid roses shining out like coloured stars struck her heart like a blow for one second she was back in the gardens the big soft night wind blowing the rain beating gently on her face and the almond blossom falling falling like weary tears heavenly stuff ione said but so foolish the frailest most adorable of all flowers and it braves the earliest spring so rash of it no wonder it withers first and never finds the lovely summer-time lack of perception there if you like doro laughed mechanically ah lack of perception indeed and how true that the frailest blossoms withered first she clenched her hands suddenly she was thinking back again and that way lay the land of desolation pan came very little for one thing though this may not have influenced him greatly his allowance was just due for another he was finishing an affair which threatened to be rather troublesome for a last reason he was uncertain of himself for once he had no idea what rexford had told doro and he had no means of discovering her actual knowledge so he avoided her rather giving time its chance time which obligingly laid bare so much time assisted by a subtle searcher but as history can prove with crushing force one glance can suffice to wreck the matured plans of a lifetime pan rather pleased with himself for his abstinence assuring himself he was fleeing temptation keeping his word considering doro's good not a little inflated by the sense of his honour towards rexford refused ione's invitation systematically to meet doro at a small party which shropshire gave at ranelagh it was a hot night and the air was weighed down by a thousand perfumes perfect summer bred restlessness by its beauty shropshire in his blindness had placed pan on doro's left was he not a sort of relative and therefore safe the great recommends great in every sense et pourquoi pas to quote an adorer 
since one could never have too much of the truly beautiful offered generously to sing shropshire gave an order to the musicians and the leader hurried forward and bowed before recamez he was italian of course he knew madame's songs good god yes and might he dared he suggest he alone should accompany the great diva after further compliments and a smile from recamez's scarlet lips which dazzled its recipient the little man took up his violin i will sing an english song recamez announced and i do not know its title at least i forget let us call it love it is a word we all understand and it has a wide appeal i think she opened her beautiful mouth and began to sing and she sang like a child which is hurt and a woman who loves too well the words fell each distinct apart sheerly beautiful to sigh for thee cry for thee under my breath to find but a shade where thy head has been laid it is death to yearn for thee burn for thee sorrow and strife but to have thee hold thee and fold thee it is life it is life doro had sat immobile at first then memories like a bursting flood had poured over her and then with almost terrified realization she had felt pan's hand touch her for an instant she felt utterly numb and then she shivered desperately and helplessly she let her hand slip into those ardent seeking fingers which closed on her hand and seemed by that action to close too on her heart drawing it wholly from her into his own keeping she could not look at him she knew recommends sang again stopped people talked she herself spoke with david but all the while she was intensely widely conscious of that clasp that touch which had the power to change her whole being to sweep her soul her senses as a musician's bow sweeps the strings of the instrument he loves oh again again to feel those kisses which opened heaven again to be crushed in an exultant embrace again to listen to words smothered in the saying by dearer words unspoken again again to live to wake and thrill and sleep and dream to love to have love once more as the beat of the day's measure and into her surcharged mind some lines flashed dizzily lines of a poem some woman loving overmuch had prayed this will i ask of christ the lord this much for thee and me only to be as once a while forever now together i and thee it was wrong she remembered only vaguely but it expressed the unspoken overwhelming longing in her heart every one rose pan drew her chiffon cloak with its soft fur collar around her shoulders he said in a normal self-contained voice shall we go in the gardens the lily pond is rather attractive they went out together to doro the world was empty save for their two selves pan took her arm in his cool close grasp and led her past rose trees palely flowering now in the powdery moonlight for all their riotous loveliness by day towards a dense belt of shadow flung by some trees they had kissed before under trees and now again they claimed their shelter doro he said in a stifled whisper he gripped her hard by both shoulders this is madness he muttered the passion-broken words fell about doro like a drift of golden leaves she lifted her face almost sacrificially and he kissed her ah you love me you love me say it she whispered against his lips 
in that imploration was so much suffering so many fears all the years of waiting say it say it he kissed the words away kissed the power of speech from her kissed her until she lay utterly spent in his arms then with a passion-shaken laugh that low broken laugh of a sure exultant conquest he said i love you i adore you doro caught his dark head back flung for the moment between her two hands she drew it down until she could gaze into those shining eyes look at me she whispered you must i must be told the truth why did you leave me how could you why did you never write oh pan i waited and waited and i you don't know what it meant to be without you and every day i used to think perhaps a letter will come perhaps i watched every post and you knew you knew you held all my life between your hands and yet you went you left me in that moment pan would have lied to her had his life been forfeit for it for upon him had dawned the certainty dearer to a man of his type than any that for doro he had found again the power to love in doro he found personality and loveliness and also one other thing which for some men has a great attraction and has its value for all she had a certain place already in that world which decrees and refutes rexford's name the romance of her adoption and her voice would have given her social prestige but her own imperial youth was her greatest charm many pass through youth and have not this talent for largesse of their very selves are powerless to give out anything to the world doro gave unconsciously with both outflung hands her radiant gaiety her shining loveliness she stimulated like a draught of sparkling nectar she was vivid in every movement every thought from the crown of her head with its so vital hair to the soles of her narrow feet upon which she went so lightly pan found it extremely pleasant to love where all loved and yet no oneself alone beloved selfish vain fantastically weak his love for doro began to possess him wholly and as was inevitable with a man of his age this possession became a goad he was never free from the thought of doro nor wholly happy in that thought away from her to his type of temperament remorse is alien it savours of bourgeois melodrama and what is even worse discomfort if greville thought of himself in actuality he did not think long his tedious marriage had not hampered him for years why should it now yet at intervals he resented his powerlessness with a sort of puny fierceness he cursed every one save himself for the dilemma in which he was now placed he told himself once or twice in the very little hours when he was tired that he ought to give up seeing doro but it never prevented him telephoning at their usual hour to arrange their next meeting how it would all end he never let himself think after all this was the beginning or the continuation of the beginning and what true lover ever foresees an end forty five twenty two he did not encourage this memory and told himself with a small grimace that he had never cared for arithmetic and after all what was forty-five for a man he thanked god with genuine gratitude that he was of the lean kind and that his hair was of hardy growth half the battle he told himself appreciatively lines add interest but a threatening of baldness one's waistcoat in a wrinkle adieu romance 
he was oddly enough not very vain of his looks his vanity waited on his attraction for women but mere features colouring did not interest him greatly of course he was aware he was good-looking but mercifully he forgot the fact very often as a lover he was all-sufficing and since much practice goes to make perfection this fact was not amazing to doro he was heaven the sun and stars these years of despairing waiting had given her emotional maturity and had quickened her sense of adaptability through force of acceptance of conditions to-day pan received the benefit of quick understanding he must never be thwarted doro learnt swiftly and avoided this catastrophe by agreeing with him or maintaining an innocuous silence sorrow any suffering is popularly supposed to endow the sufferer with a gift of understanding and most people mistakenly conclude this understanding must be universal in point of fact whilst any poignant grief must open new channels of vision within one they are traversed merely for the purpose of carrying one's own thoughts to that other person who counts and towards the world that pretence of indifference is manifested which because it displays itself in courteous and easiest acceptance of most things from lack of entire desire to penetrate into anything at all is acclaimed as sympathetic insight any one who says ah yes i know i understand to the inquirer is bound to be popular many women without ever having had a vestige of hurtness of heart even have achieved a reputation for selflessness simply by the exercise of such speech and all the while have merely used it as a shield for their boredom doro learnt pan ably and if she found the lesson difficult she brought concentration to bear on it the discovery that one person can argue or rather that it was easier for one person to do so left her rather silent sometimes a second discovery that small vanity is not a woman's prerogative caused further adjustment in her outlook on them but above all transfiguring everything her sheer worship of pan made every little consideration of no value minor selfishness became his ways and as such to be laughed at and rather loved moods existed for her love to disperse jealousy was of course a proof of love even when it became exigent for pan had reached that somewhat pathetic milestone when youth itself has become a dormant grievance unacknowledged because vanity denies its value yet nevertheless a very real factor in spirit he was antagonistic to it and though he spoke of it with amused admiration he could not make his voice of that inflection which conveyed genuine pleasure he delighted in the possession of doro's youth but he drew her from direct influence of other youth by subtle use of such words as flamboyant noisy banal doro began to regard any quick call of life as something to be avoided or indulged in when pan was far away and even then with a little ashamed nervousness yet she missed nothing the days were only time in which to see pan to wait for him occasionally they had some hours together late in the season pan offered to drive her down to hurst point doro was delighted ione agreeably interested for one night only pan said you'll need very little luggage doro the day dawned airless and goldenly hot but on the sunny road there was a little cool wind they lunched at a hotel where alas the lunch according to pan was everything a lunch should not have been 
but luckily that cloud faded and when they drove the car over a heather-covered common and stopped and sat down on the purple carpet life became wonderful again pan had taken off his cap he lay back his hands clasped behind his head and smiled at her i should he said encouragingly they both laughed doro bent over and kissed him again and yet again he quoted lazily his golden eyes glowing he stretched up a hand and slid it behind her neck thrusting his fingers deep into her soft hair god you are a delightful thing doro heavens you're a darling pan doro mocked him gaily she sat up leaning back on one hand the other straying on pan's shoulder he kissed it and doro looking down was conscious of a sudden intense tenderness at the sight of that dark bent head she drew it close to her breast and they sat so and she kissed pan's hair gently near them a may-tree stood flinging its shadow across their resting-place the dense blueness of the summer sky pierced the branches a bird sang somewhere a bee lumbered past giving to the afternoon that sense of country sweetness and peace its murmur always wakes idly doro glanced at the heather already tipped here and there with the paleness of exhaustion beneath the sunshine in the distance trees stood out sharply against the sky and from far away a train whistled bringing to their intimacy that odd nearer sense the very faint reminder of the outer world conveys in a patch of shade the car stood again an emblem in some way of their togetherness in it they had driven from ranelagh on that night when all the stars had seemed to light her soul of all time did not this hold the hour when pan and she could talk of the days to be she said peacefully and utterly naturally pan darling where shall we have to live here or abroad somewhere he did not start actually but inwardly he felt jangled irritated by this forcing of a decision on her part however unconscious he drew away after a moment on the pretext of getting his cigarette case from his pocket where would you like to live he asked carefully any place is heaven if you're near me doro teased him but at his movement at some latent tone in his voice one of those incomprehensible indescribable little shadows fell in her heart which only a lover knows she sensed that pan had gone away from her and yet had no definite ground for believing it rather shyly she said i i suppose after all even we will have to settle down some day pan gave a short laugh you sound optimistic my dear i must say his eyes were narrowed as they were wont to be in moments of annoyance his cigarette seemed to be burning badly he threw it away and it lit a living path of heather to a point of amethyst flame the flame died doro said a little nervously you aren't very encouraging darling yourself after all in answer he pulled her down suddenly beside him and lent his cheek to hers no i'm not i'm a beast to you sometimes i know i deserve that you should hate me but i love you love you love you do you hear how could she fail to hear and be swayed by the words she loved best of any pan forced her gently back on to the heather and leant upon his elbow gazing at her she smiled at him under white lids her eyes in their lashes soft shade a glint of deep blue-green loveliness open them pan commanded wide 
Dora obeyed laughingly, shyly. She opened them widely, and the strong golden light filled them. Pan had once said that when most she loved him her eyes were greenest. Is it all right? she questioned with tender gaiety. He was gazing at her somberly. She looked so young and yet so intensely alluring with those innocently passionate eyes. He bent and kissed her, locking his arms about her with a fierce pressure, almost hurting her with long, hard kisses. She forgot the question of the hour entirely. The world seemed a place where purple heather met a purple blue sky, where softest summer winds blew from a far sea, and where love was a joy so wild it seemed to hold pain within its depths. They stayed in one another's arms. Pan reached for a cigarette, and they smoked it between them, talking with that careless content that only lovers know, laughing at nothing, endlessly, boundlessly happy. Cyclists passed on the far road, other cars. Who cares? Pan asked, with superb disdain. It must be tea time, Doro said at last. Darling, we must hurry. We'll never reach home for dinner. Who cares? Pan repeated, his ardent eyes on her face. Do you? Not a bit, she confessed. As long as we are together, I do not care if we never reach anywhere. Pan's darkly golden eyes flashed suddenly. I wonder if women ever mean that sort of remark, he said slowly. Doro, unpacking the tea basket, laughed over her shoulder. This woman means it, she said. You and I you and i pan she came and knelt before him i feel sometimes as if a veil had dropped between us and all the rest of the world and we stood on one side of it blessedly beautifully alone you think lovers have a right to be that he hesitated under his tan he had paled a little i mean you think they can make laws for themselves that they as you say can shut themselves off from the world have the right to live for themselves. Yes, I think I meant that. She looked at him with a little puzzled gaze. Her speech had been a speech of love. It had held love's meaning for the moment, and so served its purpose. Pan's insistence on its gravity was rather confusing. She made tea, and they picnicked delightfully. We must go, Doro said. Pan, darling, we must, honestly. Why? he asked. Well, Angel, it's seven. Hurst Point is far, and if we are going to see them, it seems hardly courteous to arrive so late we cannot see them because they'll have gone to bed. Suppose we don't go at all? Pan suggested lazily. He did not look at her. Just go back, you mean? Doro said dubiously. No, go on somewhere else. Just you and I. Have one evening all to ourselves, one perfect evening to remember all the time we're not together. We could say... He made a great pretense of hunting for matches. Ah, here they are. We could tell Ione we had a breakdown. Of course, if you'd rather not. His voice grew flat, disinterested. I... I... It would be heavenly sweet, Doro said with eager anxiety to meet his every wish. Darling, I would love it, but, but doesn't it sound, wouldn't it seem? Oh, possibly it would. It was simply a rather wild idea. It seemed beautiful. He had risen. Now he stretched. Come on, I'll take the basket. All the joy and nearness had gone. 
Doro felt guilty, piteously shy, and punished. She went to him and put her arms about him. Oh, darling, yes, if you like, if really it won't matter, and you think Ione won't be coldly furious. She need not know, beautiful, Pan said, his voice caressing again, his eyes glowing. Doro, you mean it? Listen, then, sweetness, we'll put up at some inn and dine together, and then I'll, I can cut off and sleep in another pub, any old place, and come in for breakfast in the morning. And if Ione asks, we'll tell her. And if she doesn't, and it's a thousand to one chance she will, or take any interest at all, we'll lie low and say nothing, and we'll have had, what we've never had, one whole gorgeous evening together. Beautiful, you are the most generous giver in the world. But in the car, speeding in search of the perfect little place Pan had heard of, Doro felt that nameless dislike for this project, which was so seemingly fair and sweet. You really think it won't matter that Ione would understand? She questioned bravely, yet fearfully, dreading Pan's bleak look of disinterest. But he looked at her now with tender amusement. Little frightened baby, all right, we'll go on, my darling, and render unto Ione a faultless recital of our blameless outing. How's that? Oh, darling, Doro said, kissing his sleeve. Then laugh with the jasmine eyes, hang it all. I believe you're frightened of me. I am not, Doro cried. Oh, Pan, look, the sunset. Pan slowed the car down, and they gazed together at the sky, which was like a field of flowers, lavender, lilac, mimosa, and the soft scarlet of deep peonies. High up, a star, like a primrose, shone. We must be moving, Pan said. A quarter to eight. Hello, an inn. I'll get some water, I think. The radiator seems pretty warm. He went into the inn, and, after a time, an old man brought a can of water, spilt it successfully over the nickel work, and accepted a shilling gratefully. Now, to pace, Pan said. His voice held a note of excitement. He caught Doro close in one hand and laughed down into her face. All the dawns and sunsets, which have ever been, are not as beautiful as you, he said. The car took a hill at a splendid rush, coughed, hesitated, stopped. "'Damn,' Pan said. He lifted the bonnet. "'Out of petrol, all but,' he said. "'We will run back to the inn. She will do that.' The car went back well. The old man reappeared. "'I guessed you'd be back,' he said amiably. "'By the smell of that oil when you'd gone, and a pool in the road.' but it is all done dried up now i don't know he was evidently ignorant of petrol's power of evaporation of course there was no petrol and the nearest village was some miles away and there might be none there pan's dark eyes were laughing he said to doro fate's decided darling it seemed so useless now to argue to complain or worry fate has decided Doro echoed a little wistfully. Kind fate, Pan smiled. He went inside the small spotless bar to see the host and order rooms, dinner, arrange everything. Doro sat on a bench beneath a hedge of most aspiring hollyhocks and wondered about things. Convention in its strongest form had never interested her, for the excellent reason that she was not vitally impressed by the obvious details of an everyday life, 
she had never worried about convention because she had always been conventional of course pan's love and hers was different from everyone else's in the world and of course her sense of honour prompted that admission everyone else thought exactly the same thing about their love still there was a difference he was in the family and after all it was not a crime to have a breakdown and stay at an inn only it was a disadvantage then pan reappeared he came over to the bench and sat down beside her and said in that repressed voice which had such power to move doro's heart let us share one evening of all our love it has been given us loveliest after all doro be happy his cool hand slid over hers imprisoning it on the sun-hot wooden seat doro look at me in that look doro forgot convention the small worry of her mind the white road was empty far and near pan kissed her full on the mouth he left a little kiss with her and drew away from her smiling mischievously you have a room all musty and clean and dreadful he assured her blithely text to the right of you text to the left of you baby yellow soap and a dimity frill to your dressing-table and where do you go doro asked heaven knows he laughed a little black-haired woman took doro upstairs to the room pan had described so exhilaratingly he had not erred about its charms certainly this inn laid no claim to being a godless hostel but they dined in the garden and the car passed doro heard it go we could borrow some petrol she said next car pan promised but the next car had passed too before they could rise from the table ten o'clock chimed as they ordered coffee from an obviously disgruntled landlady when it came it was undrinkable pan went into the bar to give a last order concerning the petrol a hand was charged to fetch he's called in here about five sir the landlord said young feller off of a farm as lives near fresham he'll ride on his bike and get you enough to tow you along pan thanked him leave the door will you he suggested we shall come in soon but it's so cool outside doro and he walked in the old rambling garden it had a sweet briar hedge and tobacco plants and stalks beyond it an orchard lay eden pan half whispered laughing a little the car stood in an open shed just beside the high gate which shut off the garden from the orchard wait he said he fetched the rug from the car and together they entered the orchard it smelt pungently fragrant the moon had risen and flooded through the branches starring the deep grass with pale pearls of light pan opened the rug under a tree now are you not glad we had to stay he spoke against doro's lips and felt her shiver at his nearness are you not yes oh yes they lay close to one another doro's head upon pan's outflung arm their faces so near a sigh seemed sighed between them this is living this is love doro whispered this is madness pan laughed kissing her eyes her hair her throat ah doro doro across his mind wild thoughts raced faded seemed to blaze like fire had he ever meant this hour to come should he be afraid to take it now other men had no such scruples after all doro loved him all the passion was not his could they not live abroad she was his last love 
this he knew was the passion of life rexford hurst point one had but one life and it was passing passing o oh, pan o oh, pan this is heaven to feel you close to be able to kiss you in the darkness and not dread someone coming ah yes i am glad we are here i never loved you before as i love you now to-night is that true he asked her straining back his head to look into her eyes you know it can you not feel it let me feel it his hand slid like a kiss from her throat to her heart and it seemed to doro as if he cupped her heart in that clasp and took it wholly to himself he had drawn the pins from her hair it fell over both their faces a warm fragrant veil as they kissed and kissed you belong to me we belong pan murmured pan never let me go grow tired of me i shall be dust when i lose you he said somberly but you how can you doro cried her voice breaking with that hurtness only passionate love when it is doubted can feel how can you all my life lies in your hands i don't mind i do not care what you do with it as long as it mingles with your life as i love you i shall never love again i could not love any one else all i have ever felt suffered has been for you it is you 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 every hour every minute and oh you know it so well and yet you taunt me if i doubt it is because i fear so pan said hoarsely and he bent his head suddenly so that he laid his face on her knee she looked down at him with a mingling of tenderness and passion and somehow pity then very gently she drew him up until his lips touched hers that token of surrender the evidence of such a love was like a point of flame set to the repressed fire in pan's heart he took doro's face and held it so her chin gripped by his hand and then his mouth pressed her so deeply so hardly that she gave a little cry but pan's kiss stifled it into soundlessness his lips stayed on hers he seemed to be drawing her life-blood her heart-beats the very essence of being from her at last he released her and they stayed so pan put a shaking hand over his eyes but still upon them both was the magic of that kiss they seemed to kiss again without volition as naturally as they breathed and again the kiss grew closer it became a demand a surrender a joy past bearing this is love this is love feel my heart feel it doro said the words quivered on her lips her voice came to pan as if from a great distance but it brought in its echo the memory of her as being apart as well as this wildly sweet young lover whose kisses rivalled his own he said striving for control you must not feel so your heart it leapt like a soaring flame under his hand toro he said helplessly i believe i was born to love you just for that only for that oh if i could die now utterly utterly happy pan do you remember the poem in the orchard we read one day together in the library at hurst point we should have read it here then i didn't know now i do i know now what it means life running over life near to go to want the person you love to love and love you even if it hurts oh pan can you believe to-morrow can ever come and we wake and find this hour has gone never to return to be relived 
one little hour it dies and life flows over it and goes on pan put an arm about her and they sat so leaning against the tree cheek to cheek yes i remember he said gently i can see you now in the library the firelight the gold and white of you and your shining eyes so really like jasmine leaves the little golden stars dancing in them from the fire we thought we loved then but now she slid an arm round his neck and ruffled his thick short hair does one remember he said we are in the orchard now doro murmured she began softly leave go my hands let me catch breath and see let the dew fall drench either side of me clear apple leaves are soft upon that moon seen sidelong like a blossom on the tree ah god ah god that day should be so soon a thrill shook her at the beauty of the words and she kissed it upon pan's lips close to him her mouth touching his she went on quickening again to the thought of the poem the grass is thick and cool it lets us lie kissed upon either cheek and either eye i turn to thee as some green afternoon turns towards sunset and is loath to die ah god ah god that day should be so soon it will be dawn early pan said the moon is failing now i never want this night to die i want you to love me all over again love me though dusk begin and dark retire hold my hair fast and kiss me through it so half laughing the shaken low laugh of love she drew a mesh of her hair about them both kiss me love me swear for ever forever doro listen we have to-night it is ours give it to me wholly make it the night unforgettable of both our lives let me kiss you till the dawn i swear to you by all that is holy you shall never regret it i swear to you i will be good to you doro she had drawn a little away shy fear struggled with her adoration and a strange sense of forlornness a bird stirred somewhere pan moved restlessly in the moonlight she saw his face white with brilliant eyes uncertainly she whispered his name he caught her to him desperately doro our night it will soon be dawn together they walked through the soft lush grass a shape loomed before them moved doro gave a little cry she heard pan say reassuringly it is all right darling he went forward there was a scamper of hoofs a glitter of frightened eyes and the colt bolted away and pan uttered some word sharply as he fell doro knelt beside him darling you aren't hurt he did not answer doro called again she put her arms round him and lifted him up his eyes were closed across one temple a black mark showed a little blood was running from it pan pan doro whispered frantically a fear which choked her breath seized her she knelt on holding pan in her arms whispering his name over and over and suddenly she knew he was dead end of chapter 16 recording by marisol quee